chapters one and two of biography of an american bondman by his daughter this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. biography of an american bondman by his daughter by josephine brown chapters one and two chapter one rouse ye and break the massive chain the fettered slave that binds and check the sorrow and the pain the wretched negro finds five different biographies of the subject of the following pages have been published during the last seven years two in the united states and three in great britain of these one was translated into german and appeared in dresden and another was published in the french language in paris the writer of this however fancies that the relation which she holds to the author of sketches of places and people abroad gives her an advantage over those who have preceded her william wells brown was born on the farm of dr john young near lexington kentucky on the fifteenth of march eighteen fifteen his father's name was george higgins half-brother to dr young the doctor removed to the state of missouri and took with him william and his mother the former being then an infant dr young located himself in the interior of the state sixty miles above st louis in a beautiful and fertile valley a mile from the river a finer situation for a farm could scarcely have been selected in any part of the country with a climate favorable to agriculture and soil rich the most splendid crops of tobacco hemp flax and grain were produced on the new plantation on this farm elizabeth william's mother was put to work at field service distinguished for her strength both of body and mind and a woman of great courage elizabeth was considered one of the most valuable slaves on the place although dr young was not thought to be the hardest of masters he nevertheless employed as an overseer a man whose acts of atrocity could scarcely have been surpassed in any of the slave states grove cook was a large tall man with rough features red hair gray eyes and large bushy eyebrows which gave his face the appearance of a spaniel dog like most negro drivers cook was addicted to drunkenness and when the least intoxicated would use the whip without mercy upon those with whom he came in contact this was the man selected by dr young to look after his plantation and superintend its affairs william was separated from his mother at an early age and was but seldom allowed to see her the young slave was taught by bitter experience the want of a mother's care and softening influence at the age of eight years he was taken into his master's medical office and was employed in tending upon the doctor as william grew older he became more serviceable in his new situation when only about ten years old the tender feelings of the young slave were much hurt at hearing the cries and screams of his mother and seeing the driver flogging her with his negro whip 
as he heard the loud sharp crack of the lash and the groans of her who was near and dear to him william felt a cold chill run through his veins he wept bitterly but could render no assistance what could be more heart-rending than to see a dear and beloved one abused without being able to give her the slightest aid overseers at the south generally pride themselves upon their ability to break the stubborn spirit of the negro and the man who shall suffer a slave male or female to disobey a rule without being able to flog him or her for such disobedience would be immediately discharged by the proprietor ability to manage a negro is the first qualification for a good slave-driver the doctor had among his fifty slaves a man named randall of stout frame and more than six feet in height and known as the most powerful slave on the farm if there was heavy work to be done randall was always selected to do it and his task was sure to be finished before any other person's the doctor had flogged every slave on the place but randall and he would willingly have whipped him but that he feared the undertaking for randall had often been heard to say no white man shall ever whip me i will die first cook from the time that he came upon the plantation had frequently declared that he could and would flog any nigger that was put into the field to work under him dr young having been elected to represent his district in the state legislature cook took the entire management of the plantation the doctor had repeatedly told him not to attempt to whip randall but he was determined to try it as soon as he was sole dictator he thought the time had come to put his threats into execution he soon began to find fault with randall and threatened to whip him if he did not do better one day he gave him a very hard task more than he could possibly do and at night the task not being performed he told randall that he should remember him the next morning on the following morning after the hands had taken breakfast cook called out randall and told him that he intended to whip him and ordered him to cross his hands and be tied the slave asked why he wished to whip him he answered because he had not finished his task the day previous randall said his task was too great or he should have done it cook said it made no difference he should whip him the slave stood silent for a moment and then said mr cook i have always tried to please you since you have been on the plantation and i find that you are determined not to be pleased or satisfied with my work let me do as well as i may no man has laid hands on me to whip me for the last ten years and i have long since come to the conclusion not to be whipped by any man living cook finding by randall's looks and gestures that he would resist called three of the hands from their work and commanded them to seize the insolent slave and tie him the men stood still they knew their fellow-slave to be a powerful man and were afraid to grapple with him as soon as cook had ordered them to seize him randall turned to them and said boys you all know me you know i can handle any three of you and the man that lays hands on me shall die this white man can't whip me himself and therefore he has called you to help him the overseer was unable to prevail upon them to aid him and finally ordered them to go to their work nothing was said to randall by the overseer for more than a week 
one morning however while the hands were at work in the field he came into it accompanied by three friends of his thompson woodbridge and jones they came up to where randall was at work and cook ordered him to leave and go with them to the barn he refused to go whereupon he was attacked by the overseer and his companions when he turned upon them and laid them one after another prostrate before him woodbridge drew out his pistol and fired at him and brought him to the ground the others rushed upon him with their clubs and beat him over the head and face until they succeeded in tying him he was then taken to a barn and tied to a beam cook gave him above one hundred lashes with a heavy cowhide had his wounds washed with salt and water and left him tied during the night the next day he was untied and taken to a blacksmith's shop and had a ball and chain attached to his leg he was compelled to labor in the field and perform the same amount of work other hands did when the doctor returned home he was pleased to find that randall had been subdued in his absence and highly praised the overseer for his good qualities as a negro breaker the negro quarters were situated some distance from the master's mansion or great house as it was called the cabins were built of wood with only one room and no floor the owner seldom provides bed and bedding for his slave unless merely to give each one a coarse blanket and those who are so fortunate as to get more than this think themselves luxurious livers the blowing of the horn and the ringing of the bell were the signals for dr young's slaves to start in the morning to their daily toil which lasted from twelve to fourteen hours being employed either as house-servant or in his master's medical department william was exempt from the call of the horn and bell nevertheless his life was a hard one nearly related to the doctor mrs young was always punishing the young slave for some supposed offence which after all was only because she felt angry and humiliated at the idea of having her husband's negro relations in her sight the nearer a slave approaches an anglo-saxon in complexion the more he is abused by both owner and fellow-slaves the owner flogs him to keep him in his place and the slaves hate him on account of his being whiter than themselves thus the complexion of the slave becomes a crime and he is made to curse his father for the anglo-saxon blood that courses through his veins if there is one evil connected with the abominable system of slavery which should be loathed more than another it is taking from woman the right of self-defence and making her subject to the control of any licentious villain who may be able to purchase her person but amalgamation is only one of the impure branches which flow from this poisonous stream End of chapter one chapter two waft waft ye winds his story and you ye waters roll till like a sea of glory it spreads from pole to pole on dr young's leaving home the second time to attend the state legislature william was taken from his master's office and placed under cook the negro driver to work in the field not more than twelve years of age and of a tender constitution he found his new situation a most unpleasant and difficult one to fill seeing william neatly dressed and doing light work about the office the overseer had often expressed a wish to have the white nigger under his charge 
"'I will tan your yellow jacket for you,' said the negro driver, as William took his hoe and followed the other slaves to the field. It was with pain that Elizabeth saw her son in the hands of this drunken man. William had been in the field scarcely a week when Cook, for a pretended offense, took the young slave to the barn, tied him up, and inflicted a severe whipping upon him. In vain the mother pleaded for her child and reminded the overseer that the boy was too young to perform the heavy labors given to him. In punishing the slaves, the overseer was always inventing new modes of chastisement. On one occasion, Cook, in a fit of anger, because William did not keep up with the older hands in hoeing, gave the boy a flogging, and then took him into a pasture where the sheep were grazing, and made him get down on his hands and knees in front of an old ram, noted for his budding qualities. As soon as the ram saw the boy in the budding attitude, he prepared himself for a fight, and squaring off he gave a bleat and sprang forward, hitting William in the forehead and knocking him upon the ground. The wound inflicted upon the poor boy caused the blood to gush from his nose. The overseer and a few of his friends who were present to see the fun laughed heartily, and the boy was sent back to work. In the doctor's absence, Cook ruled the slaves with an iron hand, using the negro whip on all occasions where he was the least provoked. On the return of the doctor from the legislature, William was again removed from the field to his master's office. Dr. Young was, without doubt, one of the most religious men south of Mason and Dixon's line. He had family worship every night and morning, and on Sabbath morning he spent an hour in reading and explaining scripture to the blacks. If he punished a slave, he did it religiously. Quotations from the Bible and a moral lecture always accompanied the whip. Servants, obey your masters, was continually on the doctor's tongue. He that knoweth his master's will and doeth it not shall be beaten with many stripes was a part of his moral lecture to his slaves. End of chapter 2